The Oklahoma Sooners are honing in on a couple 2026 quarterbacks. We'll talk to you about those guys coming up on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and that notification button to let you know when new episodes drop. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on ref you can also hear on monday through friday from nine to noon on the care of sports app and josh the oklahoma sooners seem to have honed in on a couple of 2026 quarterback targets oklahoma is not going to lack for quarterback options whether you're talking about jeff levy seth latrell or whoever's going to be calling the offense because oklahoma is quarterback you and every recruiting segment here on the locked on network is brought to you by linkedin Go to linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So Josh, let's talk 2026 quarterbacks. These guys just finished their sophomore season in high school playing varsity football as sophomores. I wasn't sniffing varsity anything as a sophomore. Well, let's just make that comparison. I was pretty good at baseball, but I was having a hard time getting at bats on the varsity level uh, as a sophomore. So the fact that these kids are already making waves as 2026 prospects after their sophomore season just goes to show how talented they are. So any conversation that we have about them, let's just start with that. Faison Brandon, Jared Curtis, two very talented 2026 quarterback prospects, four-star guys uh, over at 247 Sports. Faison Brandon is the number six quarterback in the class, number 74 in the 2026 cycle. Jared Curtis currently considered the number one player in the class and Oklahoma is according to on three well within his teams that are he's most interested in so Josh I'll let you start pick the quarterback that you want to talk about first and we'll roll from there well I love both I think they're both big time talents obviously you get into prototypical size territory and sure phase on Brandon if uh, 24-7 Sports' profile there is to be believed, he's listed 6'4", 175, but, uh, and Jared Curtis is 6'4", 225, if you're looking at those and treating those as that's 100% factual today. They're both 6'4", right? So let's start there. That's prototypical type uh, height for each. Uh, I love both of these quarterbacks. I, I feel like the maybe put him in a lab quarterback right now. Maybe Jared Curtis is a little bit closer to that. Hence why he's by 24 seven sports. And it's early in this 2026 cycle regarded as the number one player nationally, the top quarterback, top player from Tennessee. Now across the board, he's not necessarily thought of that way because he's in the 24 seven sports composite. He's number 19 nationally. So still highly thought of, but uh, not a consensus number one across the board, at least not yet, but he kind of, he can make all the throws. He's got uh, an arm for days. The feet are good. 
uh, it's plus mobility, I would say, John, but not uh, electrifying Lamar Jackson, uh, Kyler Murray type of mobility, but not too far away from that. Uh, comparable to maybe a Jackson Arnold who you have on campus right now. So you've got, I think, someone who can make every single throw and does it effortlessly. I mean, you put the tape on and it's easy. It's uh, uh, falling away throws with the feet. We talked about it, the footwork, okay, maybe at times could clean up a little bit, but uh, he, because that arm is so powerful, can do things that other guys probably just can't do. So in that sense, I think he's traditional to where you just see the arm and you say, okay, wow, this is uh, maybe the best arm in this class. And then the feet are really, really good too, John. Well, what's what's crazy is he's able to do what he does even when his footwork isn't necessarily the best or when his his uh, his foundation isn't the cleanest. You know, he's still able to put the ball exactly where it needs to be. And to me, that is an impressive trait to be able to have, because, I mean, you've seen it. You've watched a lot of quarterback play over the years. Not every quarterback is able to do that. And I know maybe some folks are thinking, OK, this is the same thing we heard about Spencer Rattler. That's fair. At the same time, this kid just seems to have a little bit more of that capability where not only is he making those throws to open receivers, but he's making those throws into tight windows as well. Like it's not always an off balance throw or an off platform throw that is to a wide open guy because it's busted coverage in the scramble drill. No, it's, it's sometimes the blitz got there quick or the pressure got there so quick that he didn't really get a chance to set his feet and he still made a nice throw into a tight window. So Jerry Curtis, man, he definitely has all the tools that you're looking for. You know, when you're looking at a quarterback, I think, I think the footwork is good enough. And especially as a sophomore, I mean, you like what you see with everything that he does. He's only going to continue to get better as the next two years of high school uh, go along. I mean, he's still got two more years of high school before he ever steps foot on a college campus. So he's not even close to a finished product and already looks really, really good. So that's, that's Jared Curtis. I think there's reason to believe that he is the number one quarterback in the class. Faison Brandon out of North Carolina, the number six quarterback in this class, also somebody who looks really, really good. Obviously the huddle highlights are going to show us the good, but what you see and what he's able to do from a skill standpoint, that stuff kind of translates to the next level. And, and I'll, I'll let you go ahead and go first on this, Josh. What did you see from Faison Brandon that makes you believe, okay, he's going to be a big time player at the collegiate level? Well, I don't think the arm is quite as strong as Jared Curtis, but I don't think it's far off. He can make a lot of throws. His, uh, the, a couple of the sideline throws, throws to the sideline you'll see in his huddle tape, it's pinpoint accuracy. So while maybe it's not quite, I mean, it's not, not much if there's a big difference uh, between the two arms just from a strictly line them up arm strength competition. It's it's still very, very good. But the legs are elite. The athleticism with uh, his ability to run, again, elite. And he can make just about every throw that uh, you would want your quarterback to make. So he's a, a big-time talent, no doubt about it. Yeah, the way you talked about Jared Curtis and kind of his effortlessly throw. That's the way I felt about Faison Brandon. The ball just doesn't look like he doesn't look like he's throwing the ball very hard, but it gets downfield where it needs to get. The accuracy is pretty impressive for a kid who's maybe 15, maybe 16 years old. And 
with the growth that he's going to continue to have in the weight room, the way he's going to mature, the the physical maturity, the mental maturity, he's going to continue to improve and he's going to improve that arm strength as well. But the accuracy is already pretty on point. You mentioned the sideline down the field throws. I mean, he put those right in the basket for his wide receiver. Didn't have to slow up, didn't have to turn back, didn't have to speed up. They were right where they needed to be, right on the point. And I think the thing that's most encouraging about this is even though you have an offensive coordinator transition, that Oklahoma is still Oklahoma, and they're going to be very much in the mix for whatever quarterback they want. You know, it, it they may not get the top quarterback every year, but they're going to get one of the top quarterbacks every single year. And that is just because Oklahoma has proven over the last 25 years to be a place where quarterbacks can come and have a lot of success and, you know, put themselves on draft radars, get to the number one overall pick and, and have an opportunity to be one of those guys that contends for a Heisman, whether it's, you know, Josh Heupel or Jason White or Sam Bradford or, you know, the, the Lincoln Riley quarterback years, it doesn't matter who the coordinator has been. Oklahoma produces really good quarterback play. And with both of these guys, they have a chance if Oklahoma is able to land either one of them, they're going to have a chance to be on that, on that same plane uh, when their time comes at quarterback. I mean, right now Oklahoma is loaded with Jackson Arnold and Michael Hawkins and Brendan Zerbrug. And then you have the commitment from Kevin Sperry in 2025 that sets the stage for a really nice lineage of quarterbacks over the next four years. And either Faison Brandon or Jared Curtis could be another nice piece to that quarterback room of the future. Another guy that could be a very nice piece to Oklahoma's defensive line room of the future included the Sooners in the top eight for his commitment. We'll talk about him coming up next here on Locked On Sooners. Today's episode brought to us by FanDuel Sportsbook. NFL regular season, well, that, of course, is in the rear view. Conference championship weekend, though, it's here, and there's no better time than now to get in on the action that's FanDuel America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet, like their same-game parlays. Or uh, if you're wondering, okay, what, what parlay is the one that's going to speak to me? Why not look in the Parlay Hub? It's the best way to find out some of the popular parlays that are being played out there visit fanduel.com slash locked on make your first bet a layup again uh, new customers 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet fanduel official partner of the nfl and again every segment here on the locked on network brought to you by our friends over at linkedin linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free the Oklahoma Sooners are very much in the mix for one of the top 10 defensive linemen in the 2025 class, following up what was a very nice haul in the 2024 cycle. Well, Trent Wilson, a top 10 defensive line prospect, interior defensive lineman, six foot three, 270 pounds out of Upper Marlboro, Maryland in the 2025 cycle. He ranks number 10 at the position in the 247 Sports Composite and is a top 150 player both in 247 sports rankings and in the composite. He included the Oklahoma Sooners along with Penn State, Ohio State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Florida, Maryland, and Florida State 
in his top eight. So Josh, when you look at him and what he does on the football field, what excites you about Trent Wilson? Well, I, I love his uh, ability to get off blockers, shed blockers in the interior of the offensive line or defensive line, depending on which way you want to look, look at it. He, uh, he gets off of blockers and he does it in the, well, what's supposed to be the most difficult part of the football field to do just that. So he's got some natural pass rushing ability, which uh, if you're going to be an elite defensive line prospect, probably you've got that, but uh, you flip on the tape and he, he possesses that nice uh, explosive first step. He could get, I think, a little bit uh, stronger, which is not probably unique to many folks uh, at, at this stage of their recruitment, or really uh, a high school signee when we cross, uh, you know, that bridge too. But he, he's already doing a lot of these high-level blue chip type things on tape, John, and yet he's only going to get stronger and more explosive. Yeah, I like the technical standpoint from which he plays. You know, Wilson is a, I feel like he's a refined kid, you know, just playing his junior year shows a really good ability at keeping blockers off of his body and being able to, you know, use his long arms, use his technique to be where he wants to be on the football field on from an interior perspective, whether it's, you know, using leverage to slow a running play down or to rush the passer. I really liked his first step. I think he does a good job getting off the ball and he looks strong in his lower body. And what is it about interior offensive line play or defensive line play, or really just play in the trenches? It's leverage matters and being able to play from the ground up and, and dictate with good footwork and good strength. A lot of times that comes from your base and that comes from your lower body. So I feel like he's already in a pretty good spot on that front. So as you talk about him getting stronger, that's going to continue to build up as he gets stronger in his upper body as well and is able to kind of refine his technique even further over the rest of his high school career. But I mean, obviously Oklahoma is going to be in a big time recruiting battle to get Wilson, but I mean, the offer sheet is pretty extensive. Maryland, not a bad place to go get talent. Caleb Williams came out of there. Jaleel Farouk, You've seen a lot of really impressive football players coming out of the state of Maryland in recent years. So Trent Wilson could be that very next guy. But again, shows a lot of really nice things on the huddle highlight tape, the ability to play the run, rush the passer. And then I just, for somebody his size to be able to kind of dart through the line of scrimmage is impressive without somebody even getting a hand on him at times. Yeah. And I've got to, I guess, tee up a Shaquille O'Neal here for him. I wasn't really familiar with your game, Trent Wilson, yeah. I guess, because when I'm looking up the measurables now and seeing 6'3", 260, 265, 270, I didn't think he was that big, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, watching the tape that uh, I've seen. And maybe he's added weight since uh, the, the huddle tape that I was watching, but maybe it's just the way my man moves <laughs> with with that 6'3", 270. So I, Mr. Trent Wilson – I was not really familiar with your game, my friend. So I owe you a little apology on that front. So, but he could add 10, 15 pounds. And if he moves the way that he moves right now, then John, he's got a chance to be pretty special. And it's another defensive line prospect like this that Bates and that Oklahoma are going to be legitimately in the mix for. And this is the type of guy that you stack 
you stack classes together, and this is what wins you national championships. The way that this guy blows things up at the line of scrimmage, totally uh, reroutes the direction of a play, gets after a quarterback, harasses a ball carrier. He's a big-time talent. I mean, it's, it's obvious. He can maybe get a little bit stronger, but this is an elite prospect. Yeah, what junior in high school isn't going to need to get a little bit stronger, but it's it's like you said, the stacking of elite defensive line prospects. You got to keep doing it. So this is going to be a very fascinating recruitment to watch because again, you're going up against some of the best recruiting schools in the country, whether it's Florida State or, you know, the Penn States or Ohio States, Tennessee, Texas A&M. We know Texas A&M has been a thorn in Oklahoma's side four defensive line prospects. We'll see how much that shifts now that it's no longer Jimbo Fisher and now Mike Elko. But I mean, the, the defensive line recruiting has been really, really good at Texas A&M. And then obviously you're going to have to contend with the in-state school in Maryland. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel much more confident going into one of these recruiting battles after what you did in 2024 and being kind of right there in the mix for a Dominic McKinley right there in the mix for a Williams Duenary, even though you didn't get all these guys, you were right there in the thick of it to the very end. And you still, even though you didn't get Nuanary, you didn't get Dominic McKinley. You pulled a blue chip recruiting class through David Stone and Jaden Jackson and Nigel Smith and Wyatt Gilmore and Danny Okoye that sets the stage for you to continue to build on that especially along the interior where you have to, you're going to have to not just have a David Stone and Jaden Jackson, even though they're going to be great. You got to have guys that are coming behind them that are going to be just as great to keep that going because it can't be a, you know, just a couple seasons of great defensive tackle play and then drop off again. You got to stack years and years and years of it. Is there anybody when you watch Trent Wilson's tape that he reminds you of, uh, and I'm talking Sooners, but if there's somebody else, then, uh, you know, if there's an NFL comp, by all means, I'd say it kind of reminds me a little bit of Perry on Winfrey right now, uh, maybe plays with a little bit more power than Winfrey did, but just the, the way he moves, you know, he, he doesn't look incredibly explosive, but he looks, he's quick enough. And just that, that, that quickness in which he plays with and the ability to, to kind of be a, a gap disruptor, you know, to, to fit between gaps and, and play that way. That's the guy that kind of comes to mind for me. Uh, but I think, you know, Wilson's ceiling is a little bit higher um, than what Perion's was, because I think he's already got good size, good strength, good quickness. And just as a junior in high school, and he's going to be able to continue to build upon that. Well, that would not be a bad place to start for him. I, uh, you know, I, the frame reminds me a little bit of a Ronnie Perkins actually. And I think he looks similar to David stone. Now I'm not saying that he's uh, maybe that type of prospect, not trying to blow smoke up anybody's backside here, but I, I physically think he looks a little similar. And I think uh, there's, there's some similar traits. So he's a big time prospect. Obviously this would be a gigantic get for Oklahoma, but the way that he rushes the passer is uh, it's, it's elite. Well, if he could be Ronnie Perkins, then I think we'd all be pretty happy with that, especially if he came with that same Ronnie Perkins type mentality as well. A little bit of nasty to him along the interior. Greg McElroy 
doesn't really like Oklahoma's chances to make the college football playoff. What kind of percentage did he put on it? We'll talk about it next here on Locked On Sooners, your team every day. A lot's going to be made of how the Oklahoma Sooners perform in the SEC in 2024. Everybody's going to jump to conclusions whether they are great, go undefeated, make the college football playoff. Everybody's going to say Brent Venables and the Sooners are one of the next great dynasties in the making. Or if they're eight and four and don't make the playoff, everybody's going to say, well, the Brent Venables era is toast. They're not going to be able to do anything. They'll never win under him. And probably the reality is it's going to be somewhere in the middle. But Greg McElroy doesn't necessarily like Oklahoma's chances of making the college football playoff in year one. He puts them at 10%, um, the what eighth best odds or eighth best percentage to make the college football playoff. What he had to say was, if they get to nine and three, I really like their chances to get to the playoff. But there's that famous word, but I don't think they can get there, Josh. Yeah, and... Okay. Uh, we'll see. Right. I mean, obviously we've talked uh, and will continue to talk ad nauseum about the difficulty of Oklahoma's schedule, the SEC schedule for OU. If Oklahoma's got the eighth best chance out of SEC teams to make the 12 team playoff next year, then look, we got a pretty legitimate problem in Norman, Oklahoma. So that to me is, uh, I agree with his sentiment on this front though. He, he believes, you know, three to four out of the big 10, three to four out of the sec. And I think that will be an annual occurrence. And I think Oklahoma has a great chance to be one of those three or four out of the sec. I mean, he's got Missouri, he's got uh, old miss LSU, all of those teams ranked uh, in front of Oklahoma old miss, right? Bringing Jackson dart back and some of the portal maneuvering that they've had is substantial for them but i mean is missouri gonna have the type of encore act are they definitively better than oklahoma tennessee is to me like you could throw a lot of those teams in a hat and pick out a name and right now you have a pretty good chance of any of them being equal to or better than the other like do you really have a strong opinion with a bunch of those schools i think alabama now goes into that group too until proven otherwise i think there's georgia and there's basically everybody else in the SEC now, and I think Oklahoma has every good of a chance, and maybe Texas. Texas with Quinn Ewers coming back might be that one below Georgia, as much as I hate to say it. What they've done uh, out of the transfer portal, bringing some skill talent in, is uh, is substantial, again, for Texas. So after those two, I don't know that there's this clear-cut, okay, here's three, four, five. And I don't think it's easy to say that Oklahoma's not right there at three or four. Yeah, and because Oklahoma beat Texas this past season, who's to say that they're not in that same group of teams with Texas? I do I do follow your sentiment that it's Georgia and kind of everybody else. I think there's a big grab bag of teams that are in that second tier. Alabama, Texas, Ole Miss, LSU, Mizzou, Oklahoma, Tennessee. There's a lot. There's a lot that could happen and a lot of teams that could assert themselves as that number three team. If we assume that it's Georgia, then Texas, well, could be Ole Miss, could be LSU, could, I mean, probably not LSU, could be Oklahoma. I mean, there's a lot that still has to take place, but I think Oklahoma's chances are just as good to be that third SEC team as anybody in the SEC, because again, you're bringing back a lot of experience on defense. You're bringing back a lot of skill talent at wide receiver and running back. 
you've got one of the better young quarterbacks in the country in Jackson Arnold, regardless of what you think of him after the Alamo Bowl. Just remember what you thought of him before the Alamo Bowl, that he was going to be a great quarterback. That's the guy that you should expect when Oklahoma takes the field in 2024. So now it's just a matter of, okay, if they can figure out the offensive line and it's adequate and it's good enough, that's going to put them in the position to be a 9, 10, potentially 11-win team. A lot still to figure out. They've got to continue to improve defensively, but there's no reason for me to sit here as we sit in January and think Oklahoma isn't going to be in the mix. You know, you get to November with one or fewer losses, you're going to be right there in the college football playoff mix with, with three games left to play against Mizzou, Alabama, and LSU to finish the season. Toss this up on our topics for, uh, well, later in the offseason board. I'm going to have to make a list because I, I never I never write these down. So I'm going to start yep. writing these down, Josh. We need, board. we need a marker board. We need a... We need a uh, Woody Page marker board behind one of us, and we can just have all of our important toss it on the bulletin board items over there, uh, or the the whiteboard, I guess, as it were. Tennessee, that game in Norman. I mean, is that basically an elimination game early in the year? That's like an extended conversation we need to have at some point. At the very least, it will be a good which direction is the compass pointing game really for both. I think because for Tennessee, if you come in with Nico Iamaleava and win that game against a young green at the gills quarterback again in Jackson Arnold, you do it on the road. Okay. Well now all of a sudden, if what McElroy is forecasting here, if you're to take that with any serious, um, substance well 15 percent jumps up quite a bit beyond that right oklahoma if you take care of business versus tennessee at home well now all of a sudden that 10 percent to get to the 12 team college football playoff i'd have to say you got to feel a lot better than 10 percent for oklahoma if they win that game versus tennessee so it uh it really i think when you start how many you start thinking how many bids are there out of the sec to get into this thing well there's three, four bids, right? And maybe you eliminate Tennessee from that. If you take care of business, it kind of ramps up the importance of that game early in the season, though. Obviously it's not by definition an elimination game because obviously you're going to win the rest of your games, but it's, it's a pretty important one. It is. Well, and we, we go back to what the schedule looks like. I mean, how many teams on this list are Oklahoma going to play or is Oklahoma going to play Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, five of the eight teams that Greg McElroy mentioned are on Oklahoma's schedule. And really it's five of the seven teams not named Oklahoma are on this schedule. So yeah, the Sooners are going to have quite a bit to contend with and uh, sorry, no Texas too. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, six of the seven teams not named Oklahoma are on that list. So if Oklahoma takes care of business, obviously there'll be a college ball playoff team. But if say you go, you know, you, you, you got to beat Tennessee. You got to beat Auburn. You got to beat South Carolina. And then you've got a farewell in those games against Texas and Missouri and Ole Miss and LSU in those four games. If you are, are good in those four games and maybe go two and two, that's going to give you a shot you know, to, to make the playoff, but you got to take care of business in the games at home, especially against Tennessee and South Carolina. And then against a a team like Auburn, you got to win that game. 
I know it's going to be Auburn. It's going to be a tough place to play, but you're, you're going to go into that game likely as the favorite. And you have to figure out a way to win on the road in a tough environment, especially if you have aspirations of making the college football playoff, that's a game you got to have. So it's, it's going to be tough. Obviously the sec is going to be tough, but the road is there. If Oklahoma takes care of business, even if they have two or three losses, that schedule is such that it's going to be looked upon favorably by the college football playoff committee. If they play well, even in their losses. So the, the Oklahoma is going to have a really good shot, especially if they're a nine and three or better team. What you just said, it's basically, okay, those six teams, right, that are on OU's schedule, if you split those and win every other game, you're not getting left out of the college football playoff. Absolutely. You're not. Yeah. Yep, absolutely right. And so right now, I think we need to set that expectation. It's college football playoff or bust. If you can't be one of the 12 best teams in the nation, to me, it's a bit of a disappointment. And I know we've said it in the past, but I think we're going to continue to reiterate that as we go forward. You've got a team, especially as the defense ascends that should be ready to contend for the college football playoff, even if it's not contending for an sec title in year one. And that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much. Tuning in, being a part of the show, subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts, follow Josh on Twitter and listen to him on K ref sports app from nine to noon, Monday through Friday. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on ref myself at John nine Williams, read my work covering the Sooners over at soonerswire.com part of USA today sports. But until next time, he's Josh, I'm John, Boomer Sooner.